Jeff Carter down the wing. Flips it wide of the goal. Pearson sweeps it to the line. Martinez with a drive. Rebound chance for Carter. He scores! Jeff Carter! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Trevor Lewis centering. Rebound. Lewis scores! Second effort for Trevor Lewis. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Well, not only did we get a Kings win, but the Ducks lose, the Blues lose, and the Avs lose, albeit in overtime. But still, that's a lot of teams losing. It helps out the Kings. Uh, we get Trevor Lewis back in the lineup. We get a game winning goal from him. How's that for unsung? Uh, one point away from setting a new career high with plenty of time left in the season and coming off of a stint on the IR. Uh, Carter and Clifford round out the scoring, and the Kings find themselves back in a playoff spot for now, and that's pretty much how the rest of the season is going to go. So... Buckle up, Kings fans. Uh, never miss an episode by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Google Play, or any other podcasting service. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here in the Bob Miller Press Box, high above the ice at Staples Center. Joining me, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, Trevor Lewis is back, uh, and the Kings have won two points. So, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I mean... You can't. The Ducks lose, the Blues lose, and the Kings win. So Kings get lucky. I mean, they, the Blues are playing the Sharks, so it's sort of fifty-fifty. Yeah. It, on let's be let's be realistic. That helps us more than it hurts us. Yeah. So the Kings uh, climb back into a playoff spot. Uh, the Avs continue to pick up <laughs> three three-point game <laughs> points. It's really annoying, but whatever. The Kings are in a playoff spot. They've got a, a game in hand on Anaheim and Calgary. Uh, one team uh, a few points ahead of them and another one a few points behind them. Let's talk about this game tonight. It's 3-1 Kings. And I think you and I feel similarly about the game, but maybe for slightly different reasons. I felt like this was, and this is going to sound contradictory, this was at some times, or in some ways, a 60-minute effort against a good team to capture two points they really needed. But also I felt like they were lucky to win, <laughs> despite the fact that they played a good solid 60 minutes. Yeah, it, it it was a very you know weird game in the sense of you know, puck control, scoring chances. All three goals were not necessarily common goals that you often see. Two were batted out of the air. Uh, you know, one was a rebound that s- snuck by and then kind of you know just got pushed in. So it, a, a weird game all around. You know, I think we can we'll, we'll dive deeper into that. But yeah, overall it was it was just kind of a an odd night for hockey, but very entertaining at the same time. Yeah, I said to you before the game that I cared less about the outcome of the game and more about the how they played, right? Because after that debacle last weekend against Chicago, um, I wanted to see a team that wanted these points, right? I wanted to see if they would come out and, and fight for an opportunity to win two more points. And I feel like they did, right? I, you know, like I said, I feel like they got lucky on a couple scoring opportunities that Washington didn't capitalize on, and no pun intended, and I thought that the Kings got maybe a little bit lucky on the Carter goal, but you know, I never felt like they were slacking off. You know, if you look at the the shot chart, if you look at the possession numbers and everything, they were absolutely they were here for this game, and the bounces went their way, and uh, and they win. Yeah, and the biggest thing was after a letdown like they had against Chicago, 
you know, they did play 60 minutes, they didn't get complacent, they didn't take any stupid penalties against a team that has an unbelievable power play, and they're, you know, they were able to capitalize on the opportunities they were given. Uh, granted, there weren't necessarily a lot, but, you know, they they didn't, you know, give up a, a, a huge number either, so uh, it, it was a, yeah, it was an interesting game, but, yeah, no, overall, you know, it was a great response from what we saw a few nights ago. Uh, and, you know, most importantly, uh, you know, they picked up two points against a team that, uh, you know, was also deserving of two points. But, uh, but you know, again, you know, a playoff contending team uh, in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to quibble with one I like detail. The word quibble. That's one of my favorites. I like that. Um, with one thing you said, okay. which was no stupid penalties. I thought the Clifford penalty was stupid. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I completely agree. <laughs> you know, I take that back. They they kept it to not a four yes, minute. Yeah. Well, it was a four minute, but a minimum of yeah, stupid yeah, penalties. They, uh, yeah. But I but I was very worried. Who uh, time out? Who tries to punch a guy who just got stitches twenty minutes ago? Like, I, I, and and it was not a particularly dirty hit. I didn't hit. think. Yeah, exactly. might I add on the Tom Wilson topic. Tom Wilson had three gigantic hits that yeah, were clean. He was blowing like, people he up. He was fascinating to watch tonight. And that's why I thought the penalty was particularly stupid, especially in light <laughs> of hit. especially in light of the of the Chicago incident the previous week. Yeah. Clean hit. Clifford got embarrassed by another Wilson hit earlier in the game, <laughs> and now he's yes. coming to the quote unquote defense of his team. And I was like, "Come on, man!" And then all of a sudden, now you're down a man. It's a close yeah. game, and the way Washington was moving the puck, especially on the power play, mm-hmm. that could have cost them the game. But uh, oh, and no question, it could have, and I'm not going to say it should have. But at the same, like the 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 game plan uh, on the penalty kill was spectacular because. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, Ovechkin's been in the league for how many years? Twelve or so. Let's just ballpark it around sure. there. Well, bar, ballpark it around there. You still like teams still can't figure out how to stop this guy on the power play. And, and you know, by all means, you've got T.J. Oshie, you've got you know, Evgeny uh, uh, Kuznetsov, yeah. you've got Backstrom, you've got yeah. Carlson. They've got loads of options. But Ovechkin, you know, over and over, and they were able to take him away and and limit you know the, the chances for Oshie. So the penalty kill was. Uh, you know, extremely, extremely important tonight, and, and they succeeded uh, in, in a great fashion. I've said it before; I'll say it again. Learning not to root in the press box was easy. Uh, learning not to cheer yeah, yeah. for goals. The, yeah. the thing I still struggle with is when it's an important penalty kill and they clear the zone. I still, I still, my hands still clap. Like I don't cheer or anything, but I still do a little soft. I just can't help it. I like penalty killing too little, much. Little fist pump. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Trevor Lewis returns to the lineup, and you know we've said this on the pod previously, but now we've got Iafalo, Pearson, Lewis, and Clifford. Uh, which I, you know, obviously all four of them play totally different games, but I would argue that each of them brings that sort of unsungness <laughs> or effort or grit or sandpaper or whatever you want to call it. You saw Pearson getting ragdolled in front of the net tonight, um, you know, and stuck it in there and, and gave yep. it his all. And, you know, look, obviously Lewis scores a goal. um, But I really did feel like... I mean, this is the first game, uh, as was mentioned uh, earlier in the the evening, fully healthy roster. Yeah. Right? Like, and now we actually have a sense of what the bottom six is going to look like. Reader was held out. Obviously, he can sub in for, you know, for Mitchell or for anybody else. Um, But we know what the bottom six is going to look like. And I asked you to to keep a particular eye on the uh, Kempe, Amadio, 
Lewis line because I wasn't sure who was going to play center, although John Rosen told us it was Mike Amadio. It's three guys who have at times played center in their career. Uh, three guys who have struggled to win face-offs. What did you think of that line? Uh, I was impressed because, you know, Amadio hasn't played a lot of significant minutes or, or you know, upwards of, you know, tonight was at 1137, but, you know, that's a larger amount than he's used to, or at least, you know, in the recent past. And, uh, you know, I thought he played well specifically at center. He was, you know, he held the, the fort down, you know, uh, where, you know, Lewis looked like his, his old self. Obviously, he had a goal on a... You know, an interesting turnover, stretch pass, whatever, you know, however it developed, uh, you know, that was another interesting scenario of how he ended up with that puck. But, um, you know, I like the way Kempe played too because, you know, he was all over the ice against a team that likes to play wide open. So he, he kind of countered that, uh, which, you know, a lot of the Kings didn't necessarily have that in their realm. So it was impressive to see, you know, all three guys who, obviously haven't spent a whole lot of time together if any 11 uh, minutes i think yeah all 11 <laughs> minutes there yeah uh to 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 you know communicate to to be on the same page and to to ultimately you know not get manhandled by a you know a ovechkin or a or an oshi line so i i was curious about face-offs because you know mm-hmm. nate thompson a, a huge part of the reason they got him was yep. his success in the face-off mm-hmm. circle jeff carter does all right Tonight, a tremendous, tremendous night for faceoffs. Kopitar, 76, Thompson, 80%, Amadio, 56, and Jeff Carter, 65. Mm. And, 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 and to, to latch, you know, latch on to the significance of that, against a team like the Capitals, who are p- puck possession flow, for them to you know, start out with the puck 35, 33% of the time is huge because all of a sudden now you have to go expend your energy or your energy to get the puck first and then you know start your flow opposed to just winging it off the bat so for face-offs no question that you know you know the the acquisition of nate thompson's going to help for carter to to keep the 70s line and and be able to maintain that but most importantly you know having a Mario being in the plus side of that is huge because you know as a third line you know you don't want to, you know, a lot of times you can get stuck out there with an Ovechkin or Oshi, and, and to be able to, to turn that around and, and control the, the puck possession, uh, you know, off the draw, it's huge. It, it, it truly is against a team like the Capitals. They jumbled the lines a little bit, and that's to be expected throughout yep. the course of the game, but for the most part, um, you know, I was, I was pretty happy. Like we said, they got a little bit lucky, but let's face it, the Capitals are really good. <laughs> you know, they're they're so fun to yeah. watch. Like it was art. I mean, the tic tac toes, the the crisscrosses, the Ovechkin to you know. I mean, as we were talking before the podcast, Genny Kuznetsov, he's got to be one of the most creative players in the NHL, if not the most, just solely based on his pure talent. Like he would just start you know playing with the puck, skating up the ice solely because he could. Like yeah. he has the talent too. So. Yeah, it, it was. They're a fun team to watch. They truly are, and you hope that it continues into the playoffs as well. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to feel bad watching specific player. You know, like Kuznetsov made a couple guys look dumb, and and you go like, all right, well, that's just. What are you gonna do, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, it's like Ovechkin, right? He's been around forever. You know what he's gonna do, but well, he's like the that quote, good. The quick quote in the game, it was. You know, guys like Ovechkin, they shoot the puck. It's just—it's like baseball. It's a blur. It just—it all of a sudden it's by you. Yeah. And there were there were multiple instances where Ovechkin just let it go, and all of a sudden it's you know off the back of the boards, you know, bouncing 
you know, to a rebound because it was so hard, or you know, just the, the creativity when he's flat-footed on the blue line and just rips a dart, you know, that Quick can barely makes a save on solely because of his, you know, his release is so much more different than anyone else in the NHL. So let's talk about the play of the game. What was your play of the game? Uh, we touched on it a little bit. I'm gonna go with the last uh, penalty kill, and okay. and you know, it's a whole two minutes long, but you know, twice the the Kings. Uh, took a penalty and they went to a commercial break. So you've got Novechkin who's fully healthy, who's going to stay out on the ice. Carlson most likely ought to stay out on the ice for two minutes. You've got uh, Backstrom who's going to stay out on the ice for you know a large sum of that. And, and for the Kings to not only not give up a shot, but give up a, a scoring chance and to to truly pressure the guys against the boards when they don't have their you know you know when they have their backs turned, for, so on and so forth. The, the Kings shut it down and then ended up. Um, drawing a penalty right at the end as well so for me it was to be able to silence the the, the power play in general of the capitals but especially with eight minutes to go in the game or, or right around that ballpark uh you know when the pressure is on they know that you know this is a prime opportunity i think that you know those role players you get the nice the nate thompson's the kopitar's the the aya follows they they stepped up in a in a large manner uh in a time where you know you knew that they were going to get some backlash you know from the the capitals offense I'm always fascinated to watch which players get rolled out for, yeah. the, for the penalty goal because it will be like Nate Thompson and then the Corey next Mitchell. shift and then it'll be Kopitar and Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always just think like I don't pay that much attention to who the penalty killing units for other teams are but if you you know if I had to guess I don't wouldn't expect Sidney Crosby's killing too many penalties no. but maybe he is. I don't know. No. Um, so for me it was the Trevor Lewis goal. Time out. There's yeah. a reason Anze Kopitar makes $10 million. You know absolutely. <laughs> and I was really really gratified to see his name pop up in that players poll. Um, yeah. Right. Like never, you know, the toughest guy to play against. But but nope. I'm assuming when they asked, they weren't ranking him. So the fact that he got five percent means that there's a handful of players in the league, really, uh, yeah. more than a handful. Who think, yeah. Take note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was great. Um, but for me, the, the play of the game is the Trevor Lewis goal. Mm-hmm. Um, for mostly aesthetic reasons. I mean, it's his first game back. He's game having winner. yeah ties is or might have broken the tie, but I want to say it tied. Uh, yeah, career high numbers. So, so I mean, you know, it's great. And then on top of that, the fact that it was not just a rebound uh, of his own shot, but it was a rebound of the rebound of his own shot. In the air, off his shaft. Yeah. Um, was like, that's just, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine how, how much focus it would take to score the goal, much less when you were the one that's coming off of your yeah. own, like, your own rebound. Yeah, um, two ricochets, yeah. uh, and oh, if the puck's in here, I'm just going to swing at it. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah, a beautiful pass from Jeff Carter. Um, both of them, you know, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, geez, those two guys weren't even in the lineup, <laughs> you know, two a month ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here they are hooking up on a, on a goal. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was his 25th point. Uh, last year, uh, he had 24. In the 2014-15 season, he had 25 points. So his next point will be uh, will will break his career record for most in the season, but but to me that was just that goal was just just perfect, um, and of course everybody loves Trevor Lewis and he's the unsung hero, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pro et cetera. Trevor Lewis yeah, yeah. So so that was it for the play of the game for you. Well, who was the player of the game? My player of the game is going to have to be Clifford, and you know he took a stupid penalty. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Right. It, and it's you know it was was it unacceptable you know, borderline yeah you don't go chase a guy down uh, and, and especially because it was so blatantly obvious but at the same time he had multiple 
block shots. He had, you know, he ended up with the empty netter, and, and and albeit, you know, it's one of those situations where puck luck. It just, you know, sometimes the the puck finds the right guy to get the the empty net, the easy goal to pad the stats. And and I thought, you know, he played an all around game. You know, he got rocked by Wilson once or twice, but you know, to stick in there to to play the tough guy role. When you know the Caps really only rolled out one guy that could you know drop the gloves or or you know throw the body around uh, and, and to to be effective on the offensive end to create a few opportunities uh, and and overall just you know a sound game beyond the stupid penalty I'm I'm gonna give it to him you know a lot of times I feel like we give it to the, the goal scorer you know we've only been doing this for you know a few <laughs> times but at the same time you know that that tends to be the the play so I'm gonna go with the unsung hero I think that's a great pick and I almost tweeted. Uh, he blocked a shot right after scoring the empty net. Yeah, he almost got another. And, and I was, was going to say, I'm almost more impressed by the blocked shot <laughs> than the empty net goal because at that point... It's 3-1. Yeah, like, what, like, are, you oh, do- what are you doing? But he yeah. screwed his GD body in front of that puck <laughs> like a lunatic. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great pick. Now, I'm, I am going to go for the goal scorer. I'm going to yep. say Jeff Carter. Um, he scores the first goal. He absolutely you know, springs Lewis on that. Now, he had no way of knowing... Lewis was going to do that, but still, <laughs> he still found Lewis. Um, so he gets two points on the night, three shots, uh, two takeaways, two hits, 11 faceoffs won for a faceoff percentage of 65%. And, you know, for everything we said about Lewis coming into the lineup and stabilizing that bottom six, Jeff Carter, back in the lineup, stabilizes that top six. Um, you know, we've sung his praises all season long in his absence, but, yep. you know, tonight was a night where you see, like, how valuable it is to have. Two number one centers, and he, and he truly is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. In the West Coast, bias of you know kind of gets forgotten. A lot of players get forgotten or swept under the rug solely because you know the hockey is based in the East Coast or the Midwest. And and for you know Jeff Carter to, to come back, and and I understand that you know he, he, there's a reason he's as good as he is. But to, to come off of a, a, a Achilles tendon tear or ankle tear whatever it may be, something in the ankle area, to, yeah, the the tendon of some sort, to respond so quickly, and, you know, the first game, his legs weren't under him, he was a little bit of rust, and, but, but since then, you know, since he got the first goal, he's been on a tear, and he's, you know, point per game, if not more already, for him to, to, as you said, solidify that top six, have two first line centers, two first lines, that can go head to head with anyone, you know, they can play physical, they can play quick, they can... You know, they can play any type of role, and it makes this team so versatile. And all of a sudden, you know, in a span of about a month and a half, we went from you know a team that was very reliant on the Kopitar line to one of the deepest teams in the league, especially on the top twelve. This will, this will, these references will span back before your time. But <laughs> I was talking to people about Reader being scratched because there was a lot of question. You know, why, why Reader? Why thought, yep. thought he played fine. And I think he did, right? I, I think he's not being scratched as any sort of comment on his play, but just mm-hmm. because you have twelve guys who can play in the NHL, who, yeah, who can play a role, and and so he's the thirteenth guy, and it's mm-hmm. no knock against him. But I was thinking back to, let's say the two thousand and seven season or the nineteen ninety five season, sure, and yeah, yeah, the year I was born, <laughs> yeah, and but 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 this franchise has a history of guys, and I could throw out a bunch of names that some people might recognize: Eric Rasmussen. Donald Audette, Trent Klatt, 
Adam uh, Mirror, Adam Mirror, maybe both of them. I don't even know. But I mean, there was just a, a, a Randy Robitaille. There was a, a host, not Luke Robitaille, Randy Robitaille, mind you. They actually did that to us. They brought in a guy whose last name was Robitaille. That's the um, that's whose band is that's in right. the rafters, right? But the Kings had this habit of because they were struggling and they were trying to get better, and they would bring in guys very much in the vein of a Toby Reader, right? Young, fast, had had one or two seasons of about fifteen to twenty goals, and they'd bring him in and they'd say. Okay, we got our guy. The difference is they didn't have Clifford, or, or sorry, uh, Carter, Kopitar, Toffoli, Pearson, Brown. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have the the stars for these perfectly decent NHL players. Yeah. You know to to support and and they would just tell you like, yeah, okay, this is Eric Rasmussen's year, or, or you know yeah. they'd bring in an older guy like Eddie Olchick and. So Eddie so Olchick, it's right. it's so it's really sort of yeah. like some people react negatively to to Reader being scratched, but to me it's sort of like just a reminder of how good this team is. That a perfectly talented NHL player who scored fifteen to twenty goals, yeah. he's all scratch, no big deal. It's not a, it's and not the, a demotion. And the interesting thing is, is I think, you know, the, the the having a healthy Trevor Lewis back, who I think we can assume is going to be in the lineup, yeah. based on oh, yeah. you know what he's done in the past. He's and, Trevor Lewis, man. exactly. And, no, but like that, it, you know, it sums up a spot for him. But at the same time, it's going to push guys like Amadio. It's going to mm. push guys like Reader. It's going to push guys like Nate Thompson or Tori Mitchell or Kyle Clifford. To be effective every night because they know that one bad game and they could be out of the lineup for the next six because the guy is going to take their spot. So yep. for Reader not in the lineup, you know that's the time for him to prove it in practice. Or it's a guy for you know Kyle Clifford to to keep you know being you know our player of the game or or Amadio to to have a good night in the faceoff dot and and to be effective and you know not spend his time in the defensive zone. So it's a combination of you know it's a good problem to have because all of a sudden you've got guys that, you know, I'm not going to say they get complacent or they just, you know, get comfortable with the role they're in, you know, as a, you know, the ninth or 11th forward. But to, to know that someone's breathing down your back, it, it pushes them to become a better player or at least, you know, work harder, be more effective, you know, in the role that they're being asked to play. And as absurd as this might sound, we still have three back-to-back sets left in the schedule. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Plenty of people are going to yeah. get plenty of opportunities to play. And this is, again, as we said, the first night that the entire roster was healthy and available. So the fact that we have, you know, two guys, Andreoff and Amadio, or uh, uh, Breeder, and even Gravel and Ledoux, right? Yeah. Get four healthy bodies that could step into this lineup yep. and, and we all wouldn't miss a beat. Um, it's an incredible problem to have. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as we mentioned, San Jose wins, Anaheim loses. So the Kings now find themselves in the last wild card spot. But it's not outrageous to suggest that they could sneak up. Uh, you know, they have 79 points. Anaheim has 80. San Jose has 81. Now, my God, I don't want to face the Sharks in the first round of the playoffs again. <laughs> but I also don't want to play Nashville <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, oh, boy. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and obviously, your Minnesota Wild appear to have uh, have uh, have opened up uh, a little bit of space above Dallas, but it's it's gonna be. I mean, we've said it time and time again, but with uh, with what 15 games left in the season, every point is gonna matter, and we're just gonna be scoreboard watching the rest of the way. Oh, no question, no question about it. I mean, I don't. I think a week ago we would have said, "My God, I don't want to play Vegas," but I think at Right now, I think that's our most, comfortable, yeah. <laughs> our most comfortable, our most comfortable result. And and by all means, most importantly, you make the the, the top eight in the West. Uh, the unfortunate part is, 
nine of the top 15 teams in the NHL are in the West. Mm. And, and one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. That being said, you know, top to bottom, the West is a little bit deeper than the East. And, it, you know, that's it's some. It's going to, you know, four years from now, it's going to be the opposite or something. It, it all comes full circle. But, you know, for this year, the, you know, the Kings. I, I agree. I, I, I personally think the biggest problem would be San Jose and, and Nashville. Yeah. And Nashville, I think, is Especially the best. Nashville. Nashville's uh, the best team in the West, and it's not even yeah. close right now, in my opinion. And and matchup-wise and historically, San Jose has not been pleasant. Uh, beyond that, it's it's a free-for-all, but the only real options beyond that is Vegas. Um, so. But here, but Nashville in its last 10 games, 10-0-0. Vegas in its last ten games five four and one. Yep. And the Kings have beaten uh, Vegas back to back nights. Two of those are them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Vegas hasn't been an incredible story or very. I mean, look, obviously we have sung their praises when they played well. Mm-hmm. But when you look at Nashville versus Vegas, Nashville's a team that's incredible, and you look at their roster and you go, oh yeah. Yeah, I get it. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Vegas, I still look at Vegas's lineup and go, yeah. okay, <laughs> Marcia sounds great, Carlson's great. Riley I didn't Smith. didn't know who those guys were, but Eric Howla, like, I still don't. Hey, hey, still look yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. He's, I mean, look, they're obviously great. I'm just saying, <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around the fact that they're first in the division. Yeah. Um, in fact, the only team, uh, looking at the Pacific and and the West in general. I would say the only team that really doesn't make, still doesn't make any sense is Edmonton. Um, and maybe Chicago. <laughs> I thought Chicago... Chicago, was... Chicago was an instance of no one no one saw it coming, but it was bound to happen. Eventually, sure. It's the same thing with Pittsburgh. Eventually it's going to happen, yeah. uh, but it's just going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. I think St. Louis is a little bit of a confusion as well. Yeah. Especially... Well, let me finish. Uh, <laughs> no, just be, solely because of how hot they started and all of a sudden... You know, one loss. You know, and that just shows how important Jake Allen has been. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, he lost it, and now they're one seven and two in their last ten, and they're currently four points out of the playoffs. And a month ago, they were six points within. So that's an interesting situation, just because of how far and quickly they dropped off. Um, but yeah, no, Edmonton. I'll let you speak on Edmonton's behalf because you are Edmonton's favorite podcaster. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. Now, to me, St. Louis is the, is the same team as Philadelphia, which is they always have three or four players that when you look at them, you go, yeah, those are great players. Those yep. are awesome. Right? Like Vladimir Tarasenko yep. is an amazing player. Yep. Um, Claude Giroux is yep. an amazing player. Uh, but whoever it is running that franchise, because oh, it's been different people over the years. Yeah, like I'm not even going to point to one specific thing. You know, it's not like they're Mike Milbury esque in in running a franchise into the ground. But there's something, there's something about teams like that. And there's other, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and identify. I think the Islanders are, are pretty similar to those mm-hmm. teams as well. There's some teams that just there's only 31 teams in the league. Right? There's only so many places for the talent to disperse to. So there are going to be teams that do okay just because somebody has to be okay. Right? Like, you can't just have two teams go 82-0 and 0 and you know, 30, 29 other teams you know, lose every game. So there's these teams that sort of rise and fall, and one year Philly's good, and the next year St. Louis is yeah. good, and then San they're Jose bad. San Jose falls into that a little bit. Yeah. Lately, lately they've stepped it up to the like, you know, playoff yeah. first-round exit until they made the Stanley Cup, but... 
No, I, I agree. It's an interesting situation with with you know teams like that. You looked at, I think those are perfect examples. You look at you know even like a Florida over the past five years. Mm. You know they made the playoffs, and all of a sudden they're back down, and you know now they're all of a sudden up again. Right. So yeah, it, it's interesting because but that, but that's the thing that makes the NHL so great is you have so many teams that are so close within. You know, yeah. You, like look at this. You know, you know. Granted, you know the NBA is a little closer this year than normal, but there's no. You know, Golden State Warriors. There's right. no, you know, Phoenix Suns. You know, usually, well, Phoenix. There's two Arizona teams now yeah. that are bad. But you know, that being <laughs> said, it's like there's the parity is so small, uh, in the sense of how you know, you know, any given night anyone can beat anyone. And I think that's, you know, the, that's that's why the West is so competitive right now. But I mean, I wrote an. Uh, you look at teams, uh, L.A. Chicago. Well, I'm not even going to include Chicago in that. But L.A. I would argue Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, Tampa. There are teams that have uh, a deep roster and a good goalie, and they maintain a certain level of, of competitiveness over the year. I only excluded Chicago because I feel like Crawford wasn't the piece they built around. He was added later, and, and then, you know, yeah. you can argue how good you want. Because, whereas, I mean, I wrote a piece of, um, back when I used to write things uh, about St. Louis's goaltending history, and that's a team, and I feel the same way about Philadelphia. These are franchises that have been chasing... Goalie. goalies for years and oh, it's yeah. like and again it's that same thing and and florida was a little bit the same before they finally went ahead and and toronto yeah no absolutely now toronto happens to have gotten lucky with a handful of really good Stuts. prospects yeah and and maybe anderson Stuts. will wind up right maybe they'll get lucky and have stolen a really great goalie from anaheim um but that's what i mean when i say like they go up and down and their fortunes rise and fall and it's like there's still, and this is why I never worry about bad contracts or, or if your team is built the wrong way, because there's still f- at least 10 or 15 GMs out there who think that your team should be built around Claude Giroux instead of Jonathan Quick. Yeah. And as long, as long as there's a GM out there who thinks that way, you're going to be able to, to make the kind of trades you make. Anyway, um, Saturday, the Kings have got, uh, I should know this off the top of my head, but St. I do not. St. Louis, my, don't like St. Louis. Um, that's a huge game. That's another four-pointer. If they can open up, uh, see, if they can open up even more points against the Blues, that's one less team to worry about. I mean, I feel like if they beat the Blues at that point, obviously there's still plenty of season left. But I feel like it, they've eliminated the Blues with that. Yeah, win. no at, question. At least from catching them, right? Yeah, like, for, for going three up, you know, with you know, tw- fourteen games yeah. to go, I think St. Louis is in a, you know, having lost tonight. Uh, to lose to two playoff contending teams that are, you know, quote unquote bubble teams, and, and to work yourself way, you know, that to go, you know, that's essentially an eight point swing for for the Blues to lose in regulation yeah. uh, against both the, the the you know the Kings and San Jose if that is the way it ends up. No question, I think you can count the Blues out having sold at the deadline. Now, you know, losing to two contenders uh, of making the playoffs, yeah, it, it becomes a, a you know. A, a ten-man, you know, playoff race at, at that point. Ironically, the team that we all are ah, should be go. should be spending paying the most attention to after the third week of March uh, is the Vegas Golden Knights because they are in first place. But here's their here's their schedule uh, after the seventeenth of March. Uh, they have Calgary, Vancouver, San Jose, two games against Colorado, Arizona, St. Louis again, San Jose again. And then in April, they've got a Vancouver, Edmonton, and, Cal- and another game against Calgary. 
I mean, we basically need Vegas to win out because all they do is play the teams directly ahead of us and directly behind us, directly ahead of the Kings, directly behind the Kings in the standings. It was about, I don't know, about a month ago we were talking about this when Vegas was up by you know, 13, 14 points in the division, and it was it was the same thing. It was, we want Vegas to just keep rolling mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they come back to the pack. Not only are, you know, they lowering themselves. Everyone behind them is going to start working their way up, and the Kings don't play them anymore. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem. Is like if you're taking this, you know, now they, they they are going through a bump in the road. They are a quote unquote struggling team now. They you know they bounce back and won big tonight, but all all of that included, you know they play eight nine games of their you know fifteen remaining games against teams that are directly yeah. going to affect the Kings in the playoffs. Yeah, there's four points on the table for Calgary, San Jose, and Colorado all to get all teams to gain on the Kings. Right next to us. Yeah, so that's no good. Uh, so we're going to be... So that's it, Kings fans. You are now... You are, you are now... Old Vegas Golden Yeah, Knights. you have to root for the Golden Knights. There's no other choice. That's just how it works. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up there, Jack. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll be back in a little while. Thanks for listening, Kings fans and Golden Knights fans, because that's who, that's, that's weird. Us. That's yeah, us. That's us now. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Go Golden Knights. <laughs>